Good morning and welcome to Five Oak Green Church. <laughs> Wednesday the 14th and we're coming into freedom. Praise God that permission is granted to do church differently. And as I saw recently, um, you know, there is one uh, flock but many folds. And when I came down here, he said, I've got sheep that are not of this fold, he said to me, from up in New Ash Green where I was living. And that truth is coming forward again, that he's got one flock but many folds. So you get denominations, but it's one flock at the end of the day. And we should be able to move across wherever, whichever church we attend, it shouldn't make a difference because we're all born of the same spirit. And so... It's one flock, one bride. The bride is one soul. Try getting your head around that. She's just one as far as he's concerned. So it's brilliant. Um, we're going to try to move on to Psalm 132 this morning. Not, uh, there were one or two things that the Lord spoke to me about. If I can juggle myself well enough. I think I want to start with this one. Um, apart from anything else that I'm doing, I'm pottering now and again through the Song of Songs. Um, and I read this on uh, Monday, I think. And I thought, this is really speaking to various people, I think. So I'm just going to read it out to you as it is. It's from Mike Bickles, Session 7, and it's called The Bride's Identity in the Beauty of God. And it's about experiencing God's embrace. And, and it describes the twofold activity of God in her life and in her experience. And it's the scripture is Song of Songs 2 verse 6. And it says that his left hand is under my head and his right hand embraces me. So in verse 5 she's saying, sustain me. She's crying out for more. And in verse 6 she gets what she's cried out for. And he releases his embrace upon her. And there's a powerful progression going on. And um, we don't know how much time there is between those two verses. We just know that eventually the grace of God is actually discerned in our life. And the left hand under her head, he's drawing her in. His left hand is under my head and his right hand embraces me. She has so much confidence in the love of God right now. And that left hand is the invisible, this is what really struck me, invisible activity of God. The left hand of God is away from her view. She can't see it. It's at the back of her head. Therefore, you can't see it. It speaks of the activity of God in your life that you can't see. The invisible activity of God in your life is a very important expression of God's love for you because he's withholding and releasing events that you can't discern and he's sparing you from troubles and pains that you aren't aware of because it's away from your view. And I just thought that was so wonderful. Whatever difficulties you're going through at the moment, they could be a lot worse. It's because of the hand of God holding them away from you. For example, the way God prepares someone's future spouse is an unseen work of God. Like, for instance, we don't have any idea how many car wrecks we were delivered from that we don't even know about. Because he took us a different way. 
It's the left hand of God working. We don't have any idea when 10 years ago, hypothetically, we were at the crossroads and we ended up going the right to the right instead of the left with no idea what we were delivered from if we continued and gone left. These are all realities that God can see, but he spared us from. Uh, for me, it helped me to see that the unseen that was going on and the... Uh, providential care of God in our lives when we, we really don't realize so the left hand of God is what's behind her and she can't see it and she can't discern it it's something we accept by faith um, it says not that we live in the daily recognition of it but there are just so many things that withheld were withheld from you that would have called you caused you anguish and pain there were so many times when the Lord pushed you in one direction versus another and the implications are so vast you can't begin to understand them. And his right hand embraces us. This speaks of the sweet manifest presence of God that can be seen, felt and discerned. It pictures Jesus as standing in front of her in order to embrace her. Therefore she can see and feel him. And these are the times when she feels sweet love for God. She feels her heart being tenderized. Uh, there are times when we know the presence of God very close to us. And then other times it's as if he's disappeared, but of course he hasn't. You're either in a time of manifestation or hiddenness, as Graham would say. Right now I'm enjoying a time of manifestation. I am aware of the manifest presence of God. But I've been through a time where I've been praying, I've been seeking, and not been frantic because I know he's there. But the union has not been so apparently close. Just suddenly he's changed the scenery again and I'm right in like at the trustees meeting. I could see him laughing. He was just having such a... He said, you just make me laugh so much. I thought, I'm glad I'm making somebody happy this morning. <laughs> so she sees both the right and the left hand of God. And the right hand of God is part of that embrace. And there's mystery to it. He releases him, his embrace and he withholds his embrace in very strategic ways. By embrace I mean the sweet feelings of being loved and the sweet feelings of loving back. Um, God wants mystery in that relationship as I've just said. He says there was seasons when I pressed into God and couldn't feel him. And seasons when I felt as carnal as can be but I felt the love of God. It's often actually when you're being most carnal. That he feel, you feel his love and you think, I don't want to be like this. They're in here with me, with, all, with all, everything's hanging out, you know. As Graham said, he had that dream. But he had a dream one night where um, he was uh, right in the middle of some deliberate sin. He'd been deliberately sinful at this time of his life. He'd deliberately gone away from the Lord. And he said, suddenly, into this scene, master of time, in comes Jesus. Just walks right in and it freeze frames. And he's thinking, not now. And Jesus came right over to him and he said, Graham, it wasn't what you were doing that upset me. It was the fact that you didn't know what I wanted to be for you in that situation. So whatever situation you are in, he wants to be something for you in it. No matter what a rat bag you think you're being, I nearly used a very not such a nice term then uh, he wants to be something for you in that 
He's not expecting perfection. We expect that from ourselves and it's a wrong expectation. When he says, be ye perfect as I am perfect, he doesn't mean sinless perfection, he means maturity. He's saying, let's grow up, kids. You know. So it's okay to be right where you are, whatever difficulty you are facing right now, it is God-ordained. What he wants is for you to turn to him and say, what do you want to be for me in this? That deepens your relationship with him. It deepens your trust in him because you know that even when you are being the utmost rat bag, he will not reject you. You haven't got to jump through hoops or come to a certain standard in order that he accepts you. He accepted me when I was dead in trespasses and sins and he did it 2000, over 2,000 years ago. So he isn't now in for a surprise when I have a bad hair day, if you see what I mean. And I do have them. I had one one day, a long time ago now, and, and I was freaking out over something. I can't remember what it was. And the post came, and I opened up the letter, and there's this dog <laughs> with its hair all over the place, and it said, having a bad hair day. <laughs> I just rolled up laughing. I said, Lord, you just... You know, you see, he knows the end from the beginning. He exactly knows when you're going to lose the plot and have a bad hair day. And he says, that's all right. I'm not having one. You know, be with me here. I'm not having one. Um, <laughs> what's, coming, what's coming to me now is, is uh, you know, the disciples in the boat when Jesus was asleep. Uh, half a dozen fellas in the same ship. That's what fellowship is about. Fellas in the same ship. He's in the same ship with us. And uh, when we finish this, I'm really excited. He's shown me what he wants to do next. And it's about fellowship life. Because we are becoming a fellowship together and our lives are knitting together, we're sharing each other's problems. I do not want to hear people stomping out and saying, you don't want to know me when I'm like this because I don't like myself. <laughs> because being in the same ship is letting it hang out and not be ashamed of it. That's what we are here for. One of the things about doing church differently is we can be real. You know, we can actually be real. It's Derek Prince, isn't it, talks about our vile bodies being changed. And he says, now, come along, let's admit it, we all have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I don't know if this is me or the Holy Spirit, uh, but I, I'll show, shut your eyes, girls, or you'll get ever so embarrassed what I'm going to say. Yeah. It's like he's saying, you're free to fart in my presence. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we are so proper. This is, this is what he's saying. It's, it's okay. You know, just be... I have some of my best... Uh, quiet times with the Lord when I'm in the loo in the morning I take my Bible in, my notebook and if I get short paper I write on a bit of a toilet paper it's always falling out of my Bible because I get these real insights when I'm not thinking about anything else so you know I mean he made us 
he knows that somebody needs to hear this this morning that he knows the stuff of which we are made and I was I was just looking this morning I'm right off my plot at the tabernacle of David and the, the book that I was looking at showed the breaches in the relationship with God all the time that Israel had it was like they'd have a good king then there was a breach then they'd have a good king then there was a breach up and down up and down and listed on the other page was Wesleyan revival, the Baptists, the Pentecostals, the Methodists, the it were the um, charismatic. All that I'm thinking, hey, hold up, this is the same thing. Up and out, exactly the same thing. I thought we are no different, and I said, Father, but still you desire us. Whatever is there about us that you desire, <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I'm happy with it. If you see what I mean, He is the reason that He loves us. Because he desired us so much, you know, and we look at ourselves and think, well, there you go, and uh, four pounds worth of bits and pieces, but I'm yours. But he desires to be with his people. Anyway, there we are, went off there. <coughs> this was interesting as well, and I'll, I'll, I'll go for it because it sort of runs on. Uh, it's headed up, Jesus guards her in this season of her experience. And Jesus sees the necessity of the bride now, experiencing this short season of personal satisfaction where she's no thought of embracing the cross in loving service for others. She's just enjoying his presence. And chapter 2, verse 7, excuse me, it says, I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or the does of the field, do not stir up or awaken my love till it pleases. He's solemnly charging other believers not to disrupt her right now. God has her in a strategic season. And there are seasons in God where the Lord is establishing his people in this sweet revelation and he doesn't want them doing all the activity of the kingdom. He wants them in that place of enjoying him. Soon enough, he will call you into service but for you guys doing the experiencing God cook of course you know it it's he calls you into relationship first then you meet the burning bush experience where he challenges you to your roots you get the crisis of faith and then you go through that into the service that he's called you and in a way it goes around that all the time because he's calling us each time into deeper and deeper relationship with you so it's cyclical you go round and round this thing She's fervent, enjoying God, but not yet mature. The, this is a very interesting statement. The Lord does not want her being judged by religious opinions. How many of you, don't put your hands up, have been judged by religious opinions? O daughters of Jerusalem represent immature believers who lack discernment in the Spirit. These believers don't understand the various operations of the Spirit or the different seasons in God. By the gazelles or by the doe of the field speaks of the importance of gentleness and extra sensitivity in relating to the young bride in this season. And this was a bit I really felt I needed to say. This is in contrast to the harshness of religious opinions and legalism that will actually be detrimental to the maiden's spiritual growth. Again, I'm not going to ask you to put your hands up because we all do the best we can in leadership. But an awful lot of Christians have been hurt 
um, by being misunderstood at a time in their life when they're in growth they're excited about what God is doing they bounce up to the leadership only like a puppy jumping up at someone you know everybody's going to love me tail wagging to be kicked out the way because it's not appropriate we don't do that here or whatever you're frowned on and and it hurt it's a wound into the into her spirit when she's actually so thrilled with god um that she wants to share it with someone but she doesn't so don't awaken her a gazelle or a doe is very easily distracted a gazelle of the field can be easily startled and easily scared it's ready to jump or move at any moment anything will frighten them off she's had a beating the last time she was in the body he appeals to a metaphor of gentleness because she is someone who can be very easily distracted um, lots of us have had a beating in the body it happens but God is doing a new thing and he wants to restore you in that area where you've had a beating so that you may go back to being that doe that gazelle very often when I've been ministering to people God has shown me a picture of a pool of water in a in a, in a in a hollow with trees around and this little deer will come down to the water to drink and I'm standing the other side looking at it and he'll say don't don't move really because it's just looking around it wants the water but one move from me I can't even put my hand out to put the food you know anybody who's tried to feed deer knows what it's like you've got to stand absolutely any any little wild animal you've got to stand so still haven't you and aren't you thrilled when they actually come and take something out your hand and Jesus is like that he is he's holding things out to us but he won't move to startle us because he knows we'll just go bounding away and it could be m months before he gets us back again so I uh, whoops <laughs> balancing trick I just wanted to say that because I know that there are some who have been wounded and who do startle easy and that's okay. Wherever you are, that's fine. Because wherever you are, something will speak to you today. So we'll try to get on to Psalm 132. Psalm 132. Someone like to, um, have you got the amplified there? Yes? Would you like to read it? Okay, so Psalm 132. Lord, earnestly remember to David's credit all his humiliations and hardships and endurance, how he swore to the Lord and vowed to the mighty one of Jacob, Surely I will not enter my dwelling house or get into my bed. I will not permit my eyes to sleep or my eyelids to slumber. Until I have found a place for the Lord, a, habita a habitation for the mighty one of Jacob. Behold, at Ephratah we first heard of the discovered ark, we found it in the fields of the wood at Kiriath-Jerim. Let us go into his tabernacle. Let us worship at his footstool. 
Arise, O Lord, to your resting place, you and the ark, the symbol of your strength. Let your priests be clothed with righteousness, right living and right standing with God, and let your saints shout for joy. For your servant David's sake, turn not away the face of your anointed, and reject not your own king. The Lord swore to David in truth, he will not turn back from it. One of the fruit of your body, sorry, I will set upon your throne. If your children will keep my covenant and my testimony that I shall teach them, their children also shall sit upon your throne forever. For the Lord has chosen Zion, he has desired it for his habitation. This is my resting place forever, says the Lord. Here will I dwell, for I have desired it. I will surely and abundantly bless her provision. I will satisfy her poor with bread. Her priests also will I clothe with salvation, and her saints shall shout aloud for joy. There will I make a horn spring forth and bud for David. I have ordained and prepared a lamp for my anointed, fulfilling the promises of old. His enemies will I clothe with shame, but upon himself shall his crown flourish. Brilliant. Well, there's a, there's a load of stuff in this psalm, and we've just been looking at um, Psalm 131, where we saw that was the primary thing about that was the humility and the absolute cling that we had to come to. But coming into Psalm 132, what we can see is David's passion. Um, I'm going to make a statement uh, from Bob Mumford's book here. He said, someone once said that God extracts from us in a time of war what we promised him in a time of peace. Now, some of you who were here last year will remember that we all got given um, a little piece of paper. Mine is dated the 16th of April 2006 and it said, I promised the Lord Jesus Christ everything he asks. And you were free to sign it or not, as the case may be. So he extracted from us in a time of peace. <laughs> well, he, he got it from us in a time of peace. And then he extracts from us the promise that we made in a time of war. So a lot of us are finding we're right up to our necks or over the top of our head in circumstances right now. And the reason is that we made a commitment and he's calling a number on the commitment. Uh, we made a commitment again at the last of the uh, ladies' conferences where people said they wanted to get five years' growth in a year. Whoopie-doo. <laughs> I love that. Thank you, Lord. Um, but it's n it, unfortunately, it, it, I d I don't, I've never been on one, but I rather get the sense of uh, impacted snow and a toboggan going at great speed and there's no springing in the toboggan. And you're bumping and thrown about and you can't stop this thing because you're just, you're going for it. So, five, four, three, two, one, God said, oh, good, and we're off. And there's no stopping it. And suddenly we are plunged into circumstances and, and it's, oh, woe is me, get me out of here, which is, of course, the carnal reaction. Uh, never seeing the growth opportunity, always wanting deliverance. So the answer is the spiritual reaction is, what does this mean? What is this for? What am I supposed to learn out of this? Because otherwise, guess what? We'll go round that thing of me, Bob, and start off again on the same Ujit. Because he has committed himself to bringing us to a certain place. 
And we can either come kicking and screaming, as Joyce used to say, you can see my feet marks where I've been dragged along outside the window, you know, or we can come willingly. We get to choose how we come, but come we will, because he has determined that we will, because it's actually for our own good. He wants us to come into maturity. That's what he's after. And we've all said, yes, 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 we all want the checkbook. We want to go from Nepios to Hueyos in one quick leap. And he says, wait a minute, there's Paidon and Technon and Paidon in between there, which is, you know, uh, five or six and then 15 or 16 before you get to Hueyos. But we want an accelerated growth and suddenly it all darkens, the sky darkens, all the old problems rise up and they're worse than they were before. And we think, I have missed the way big time here. And God says, no, this is me. If you look up, you'll see him peeping over the cloud where the it's all lovely and shiny. You've ever seen a, a very black cloud with a, literally a silver lining? You know, you get it in a, on a sunny day. It's a huge black cloud. And, and, and along the top there, there's this brilliant sunshine because it's just behind there. I've got this lovely um, picture, pinched it off a birthday card years ago, of uh, a giraffe. And his legs, his head part is up in the blue sky. You know, and he's got his sunglasses on there, but underneath the cloud that his head's popped through, it's pouring with rain. <laughs> and I've written set your affections on things above. He's got these glasses, you know, you can't see for the brightness of the sun. So if there's a cloud over your sun at the moment, it's the shadow of the Lord's hand. The thing is, not to we need to expect to have circumstances. Because they're the bumps of what we grow on. There's a book about book called that in there. Bumps of what we grow on. So rather than try to dodge them, we need to find out if it's a keeper or a deliverer. Are you keeping me in this or are you delivering me in this? Can I uh, share about your experience recently? Uh, Joyce, some of you know, had um, a thing on her head last last summer, last autumn. Um, and we thought it was the, the the man thought it was a sunspot gone wrong, and we were fine with that, and uh, didn't think it was sinister at all. When she went back five or six months later, we said, "Oh, by the way, it was a squamous cell carcinoma, which was a bit of a shock." So we had to um, pray about that and come to peace in that fact, because he was saying, "Well, you need to examine yourself thoroughly every however long." and uh, and then the next thing we know is she gets another funny spot on the back of her hand and we both knew right away that it was the same out of the same bag so we prayed about it and the Lord said don't leave it so action stations got a very quick um, appointment with Dr Thoracarum at Pembury but in the meanwhile of course Joyce was praying and the Lord said she said is this a keeper or a deliverer right now and he said it's both so what he meant was, I'm going to keep you through it, but I'm going to deliver you at the end of the day. I asked how to pray about this. He said, eradicate was the word I got, so I asked him to eradicate it. Um, in the midst of everything else, um, because I'm sure Joyce was the same, but I went up and down with it because I'm thinking of the, co trying not to think of the consequences of Joyce not being able to be operational. Um, and one morning he said, just out of the blue, I've heard your prayer and I will heal her. 
And I thought, you said that to me before. So I went back in my journal, and there it was, back in, in the, right at the first instance of the second thing, I've heard your prayer and I will heal her. So I thought, God's saying it twice, he means he's going to do it. So I came to complete peace about it. We prayed in faith over the hand. Joyce covered it with a bit of plaster and it stopped all its irritation, didn't it? Days we, we, she got, she went to see the man. He said, yes, it's the same. We need to do a biopsy. Come back in 10 days, virtually. Um, and when I said to Joyce, how's it doing? She took this plaster off and there was virtually nothing there. Um, you know, where is it then? Uh, I, and I had been playing in the meanwhile, Lord, if he does take a biopsy, I want the cells to be dead, non-active, so that he can't understand why it isn't there. Anyway, God has something better than that. Joyce, the morning she had to go, the, she's prayed about it, and the Lord's saying, wait and see, and she's having a pink one, you know. I don't want to, because right on a vein, wasn't it? And um, when I looked at the word eradicate, it said pull up by the roots. So we thought, roots out of there, don't want that. Um, went to see the, the young man that was going to do this thing and it, it really was almost that he was trying to find it really, wasn't he? And of course we, we were leaping up and down with delight and saying, you know, we need to tell you something, we're Christians, we've prayed about it. You know, so we, we told him what about that and that was very nice, yes, he was pleased about that. But the long and the short of it was <laughs> that he said, I don't think we'll touch it. I think we'll just have a look at it. And how long is it? Six weeks? Six weeks. So, the same yesterday, today and forever. And whatever is in your life right now is not a disaster. It's an opportunity. Is it a keeper or a deliverer? need to find out which it is and then settle your heart on it. If it's a deliverer, then you're going to come out of it quickly. He's gonna, you're just looking for the provision in this place. If it's a keeper, then you're going to still your heart and just go through it. Some of you know that uh, since from November, you remember I was reeling about all over the place when I came back from Frinton and my knee was so painful I could hardly put my foot to the ground. It really restricted me. I tried to go for a walk up there one day and I, could, I got as far as Scripps Place, which is 10 yards, 15 yards out of the front. And I thought, I'm stuck, I can hardly get back. It was absolutely excruciating, couldn't lie at night time with it. it was, but I knew it was spiritual. Somebody said, well, go and have it checked out, you know, getting up in the night and going all giddy and who need to go. I said, spiritual. I know it's an attack. What's the point? You know, I don't want to be at the mercy of the doctors. Thanks very much. Bless their hearts. Um, and uh, anyway, the first thing that happened was that the giddiness stopped, which was brilliant. I said, Father, thank you. I can sit up or lay down without the whole world revolving around me. Because I'd get up in the night, spend a penny, and I literally would realize to hang on to the sink in the bathroom so I didn't fall off the loo. It was horrendous. And then suddenly, within the last week, the knee is completely healed, gone. Sometimes you have to walk it out and just set your face as flint, you know, I tried all sorts of painkillers, nothing touched it. And Gina had a word, she, she could, you saw the things nibbling at it, didn't you? Uh, sometimes he, he will allow in his wisdom what he could easily prevent by his power. 
and that was to make me stronger spiritually because I'd gone up a level, I'm beating a bigger devil and I've got to beat the devil on the level that I'm on. This is the way the increase comes. You go into a different arena, this whole uh, passing the baton is not popular because I'm bringing out truths that the church has not heard because God's given it to me and he said give it away and it's there. It's just that it's been hidden from them. So you start feeding the flock of God and seeing them grow and seeing that, oh, not popular in certain areas, but that's tough, isn't it? That's what I say, tough. More to come, tough. So going back to Psalm 132, David in this psalm is um, wanting to bring the ark back. Um, his focus is on the Ark of the Covenant. And this is actually the only psalm where the Ark is mentioned. And it was the place of contact between God and his people. It symbolized God's very real presence in the midst of his people. So let me say right now that God is in you. So don't go looking for him anywhere else. He's in here. He lives in you. It's always been his desire to live in the heart of his people. That's what he's been after. What did I want to share from this? Might come in a minute. No. So, whereas David had the ark there and got all excited about bringing it back and made a bit of a, a boo-boo with it, with, um, what's his name, Azza, touching it, because he carted it in the wrong way. We've got the temple. We are the temple of the Lord. Our bodies are the temple of the Lord. That's why when we come to study body, soul and spirit, you see you have to look after your body. can't just treat it any old how. Um, and, but the, he lives within us. So if we need to find out anything, it's by turning inwards to our spirit that we find out. Because... He is here within us. Um, so the Shekinah glory actually resides inside us. And I had a picture once of, you know, these great big clay pots, the huge, whatever they call them, that they used to have them in the old, in those days, great high ones where, they, where, the, where Jesus was saying, if anyone thirsts, he was pointing to that those great containers of water. It was a pot like that, open at the top. And there was this glow coming out of the top of the pot. And people were coming in to have a look over the top to see what was in the pot. Hello, pots. We're all pots like that. To a greater or lesser extent, a watchman Nee describes it as the breaking of the outer man. The, 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 the spirit of God is allowed to shine through. And when we look at body, soul and spirit, we will see that actually that is the purpose of the indwelling spirit, is to, is to break the husk of the outermost man so that the spirit of God can shine through. And that's what all these processes are about. In him we live and move and have our being so that he can be manifest and live his life through us. Because it is his desire that we do greater works than Jesus did. Because there's such a multiplication. If all of us were actually firing on all 14 cylinders, we'd turn the world upside down. 
just just by virtue of a small group because there was only a small group of disciples that methinks turned the world upside down it says in Acts doesn't it I would like to just take a natural break for 10 minutes give you the chance to stand up turn around and uh, do whatever you need to do okay welcome back then here we are um, well I was this is just for the core team really and I was asked the Lord when I should bring this um, while I was praying about you guys this morning I, I very clearly saw um, a formation of Canada geese you know how they fly in a V formation um, and you know that when the front one is tired he drops back and another one comes up and takes his place um, and I know that you were saying that you, you're praying for direction and you're not sure and I didn't know exactly what that praying for direction meant um, but there are times when God will cause us to drop back and let someone else take take the lead as it were so I just throw it in for you guys to, to think about um, because in dropping back God will be cutting back on the amount of stuff you're doing so that you can focus on your time with him because when you're in leadership you've not only got your own walk but you've got the leading of the sheep as well and there come times where it just feels like too much you just want some time with God because you can't feed the sheep and feed yourself now, I'm getting a very big nod from Sue uh, at the same time um, I think that what happens with the geese it's like a natural progression the one that God is bringing forth comes out the front there isn't a sort of a vote there is there is it it is a natural progression into the per into the person who's who's taking the next place of flying and the geese are flying in formation behind them it's so much a team thing um it's absolutely uh, beautiful but that was what that was what he showed me so it might help you a little bit when you're considering what your next move or is it doesn't mean you're changing where you meet in terms of the house but it does mean that the person that is having to do the preparation might be a different person um, and you'll probably know in your hearts who that is so I'm not going to make any directive statements um, but you'll know so if that helps you guys um, praise God um, so we were talking I think before about the God inside mindedness and uh, this guy Bob Mumford, this is his little commentary on Psalm 132, which is brilliant as ever. Um, and he talks about the union with God and your access to God and his access to you and the God inside mindedness. Like, as I've said before, it's not going to come and hit you like a cow pat on the top of your head. What you need is going to rise up from your spirit. Like when I prayed about you guys this morning, immediately I saw, I thought, what a beautiful picture. They're in formation. Look at that. Absolute V. But the one at the front was getting tired. And so another goose is going to come up, take the place. The person in the front will drop back. Absolutely brilliant. So when you look for guidance from God, look within. Do not listen for strange voices out there. Listen for guidance from within. He chose to dwell in you. And he said, out of your belly or inner being shall flow rivers of living water. So it's when we get into union with God, he says this is a brilliant sentence. The man who comes into union with God becomes indomitable. He's stable in God. 
He knows his God and God knows him. Our whole progression is into the heart of God and understanding that he will never, ever, 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 ever let us down. He may not deliver when we think he should. He may not deliver what we think he should. But he will always deliver on time in his time and the very thing that we actually need even if we think we need something else. Because he knows what's best for us. I've learned this lesson time and again and finally I've settled it that he does know what's best for me and I'm not about to ask. I mean, a number of you have heard my little stories where I've heard at the beginning of my Christian walk and thought I knew what I wanted and I'll tell you the one about the man then that'll be a nice one you'll like that Lord I need a man in my life I need someone who will do the little jobs around the house and um, I don't want him asking anything of me I don't want anything of that but I just want him here so he can bang the odd nail in and put the fence back up you know Um, okay he provided the man he used to arrive at nine o'clock in the morning and he didn't go home till five o'clock at night and after a fortnight of this I said father you win I don't want I don't want that I don't I don't want him around me he's driving me potty I don't remember whether he did me little jobs or not but that was when I learned that he knew what was best for me so I stopped bleating about having having someone there to nail the fence and do the bits and pieces when young Trevor came the other night it was so funny Joyce had been saying fancy a bit of decking in the garden I said yeah need a man for that so Trevor comes in, sits down. What are you doing? Oh, well, I'm doing a plumbing course. Oh, you're doing plumbing Handy, are you? Mm. I thought to myself, hello, this could, be, this could be the man. This could be the handy man walking in through the door. I didn't know I had designs upon him like, with a hammer and a nail. <laughs> <coughs> didn't say anything to him. Might have scared him off. Uh, but God does know best so very quickly I gave him as some of you will know I gave him my right to choose I gave him my free will I don't want it it is a name for nothing because left to myself I will make the wrong choices I have discovered that when I sat down to explain to the Lord that he didn't seem to understand the situation he put me straight so I've been lazy, I've learnt these lessons the hard way, so I'm saying this is the critical path, don't go where I went, You'll get, you know, just don't go there because it's much easier to say to him, you choose, you know what's absolutely the perfect best for me and that's what I want. So every now and again I check it to see that my will is in his hands like that. I say don't open your hands, it might run away, it might get out, so just show me that you've still got it, you know. Because the, the 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 words that I don't like the most are "you choose," and I think I don't want to choose because I don't know. You tell me. This came to this business with the car last year. Oh, the one before the one we've got now—that's the funniest thing. Because we needed a new car, and uh, or a new second-hand car, and Ruth, our friend Ruth Travis in Cornwall, she came up, and she got this pink Rover. Well, rosy, rosy, red Rover. And when she opened the door, it got a strip and it in of a shiny metal, and it said Rover written on it. You see, and I thought, oh, I'd like a car. When you open the door with a Rover written across it, like that. So the Lord said, "What car do you want?" I said, "I want one." When you open the door, there's this Rover written. It's the way a woman buys a car, isn't it? Not the way the blokes buy a car, but it's the way the woman buys a car. 
So the next thing is that a friend of ours who lives in Paddock Wood, she came round, oh, she's got a pink rover, just like, what's her name? So I said to her, all casual-like, when your husband's wanting to get rid of the car, give us first refusal, will you? Oh, she says not going to do that yet. So I never thought any more about it. He's an unbeliever, she's a believer. That evening he walked in, he said, I think we'll change the car. So she said, I've got someone who's interested. He said, how's that then? She said, I'll ring Barrel. She'd come round and test drive it. We went round that evening, didn't we? The deal was done. I got me right no, the door with the rover written on that. <laughs> so what have I been going on about this time? I want a silver one. I want a silver full focus. Lord, and it's got to be silver. I don't want any other colour because I won't like it if it's another colour. <gasps> I want a silver one. Everybody's got a silver car. I want a silver car, right? I, I bet he's thinking, I know she wants a silver car. I've heard it. <laughs> so last summer... I don't know if I've still got it in some my Bible. Well, I'm down there with Ruth and uh, got talking to the Lord about car. And he said, what's your, what's your spec then? What do you want? So I said, um, oh, here we are. Here we are. Um, the, the conversation went like this. You're going to need a car. Yes, Father. What do you want? I said, well, what, what, what is it that, you know, we're going to be able to have? And I think he said, get this. It will be second hand, two years old, and it will cost eight thousand pounds. So I said, full focus, one point six, automatic, can't be doing with pedals anymore. Diesel if possible, because I understand that's better. Power steering, air conditioning, must have air conditioning. Sunshine roof if it's you know, five doors. Didn't know at that point that we needed a uh, um, hatchback. Silver low mileage so we fast forward to February of this year uh, and now March we were given £5,000 on which we could get gift aid and that meant that, that made it up to 6400 someone else gave us 2000 anonymously that brought it up to 8400 we had a trustees meeting on Saturday I said to him here's the spec here's the money can I have my car This whole conversation started last August, and I knew after the last lot that we hadn't, we haven't got that sort of money that God was going to provide. But I didn't fret about it. He told me I was going to use need, need a car because we're travelling more, um, and so here it is from last August where I went down. Uh, not on toilet paper this one. No, I must have been. Uh, oh, I was a bit upmarket really. Wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. Well, John, one of our trustees, um, th th they prayed at the trustees meeting, felt it needed to be a Ford main dealer, oh, okay. so and he felt it was Tunbridge, because it's near. Because when it needs a service, it needs to be yeah. near. Um, and uh, he uh, was it Tuesday night, Monday night, phoned up and said, "I've phoned the Ford main dealer. He's got the spec. And he's going to look on life, whatever it's called, lifestyle Ford or something throughout the country." And he'll give him a ring when he gets the one that he wants. Because June went on the web and immediately found one. Didn't you, dear? Yeah. It's just that I looked at A1 Motors at Crayford and thought... And Robin looked at A1 Motors at Crayford and thought, not sure about that at all. And we both had the same check, but the, 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 the vehicle was exactly the one we wanted. Um, so we know that God will provide for what we need. 
um, no fighting, no no struggling, no nothing, you know. So, um, I mean, I'm just so grateful to the people who act in obedience and, and, and give vast sums like that. The lady that you, some of you know the story, she came and she must have stayed, she was due to stay three nights. God moved so powerfully that she only needed to stay two. And on the way out, we, we were talking about getting a new car, I felt ever so bad about this conversation we'd had the night before when I found out what she put in the basket um, I was, we were talking about getting a new car and the impossibility of doing it because we don't have any monies and we, only, we rely entirely on what God provides for us which is always enough um, and so we had this little chat and then she went off the next morning I didn't see her put anything in the basket wasn't looking and as she went down the path she said um I've uh, put a little slip in the uh, in the basket. She said it might uh, help you get a car. I said, "What, fifty quid?" He's joking because by this time we knew her well enough. Um, and I said, "What, fifty quid?" So she she grinned. So I said, "Can't wait to get back inside, find out what you've done now." Anyway, when we got back in, it's five thousand. And I thought, I wonder if her husband knows about this. <laughs> so I thought. Ruse thinks of ruse. Uh, she'd said, "Don't cash it," for, uh, and it was postdated because she had to transfer money over. So I thought I'll hang on to that for a minute or two. Nothing in me moved. I thought I'd, uh, I'm, I'm uh, until I've uh, until it's exactly in me hand, you know, <laughs> bird in the hand and all that. So I wrote to her and said, "Do you think your husband could sign a gift aid form, knowing that he was working that and it was joint funds sort of thing?" Whistled straight back, did the gift aid form, signed by him. So it's obvious he knew what she'd done and approved of it. That's right. So we got another uh, £1,400 out of that. That is that is the extent to which, and it's only 22% the tax rate at the moment, um, which means that it's, it's a tremendous return on it to, 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 to get it like that. So, uh, so that was brilliant. So that the trustees meeting I was able to say right it's all in the bank it's there you can have the checkbook go out buy it you know don't you want to see it no I just want to well, well you won't know if you'll drive it or not I said there's all sorts of people driving full focuses <laughs> you know I'm not interested in that I know I know what I want like with the rover that was the first time we had power steering wasn't it <laughs> now it'd be automatic everybody <laughs> going along like a kangaroo anyway there we are uh well that was all about was uh let him choose because he wants he will bless you with the best if we, if we will let go of uh you know the, the the right to ourselves he will he will choose for us and and it's absolutely brilliant just absolutely brilliant so going back to our another 10 minutes how much time have i got on the doodle june Oh, so Psalm one three two. It's the longest of the Psalms of ascent, and it's as you remember now. All these Psalms have been up on how t they were going up to the temple. So they're called the Psalms of ascent, and for us, it's going up into the heart of God, making progress into the presence and power of God. And every one of us, if we actually had a look at it, will see that we've moved from when we started studying this. We're now in a different place, so we don't feel as if we are um, because of what's being taught. 
and because there's two things happening here there's the uh, training ground and the proving ground you get the information and um, I remember when I was learning to ride a horse I could do it marvelously when I had the book in front of me and I'd be holding a book between my knees to strengthen Sue and all about this to strengthen my knees and I'd be pressing my heels down while I'm sitting in the armchair and it all worked absolutely perfectly till I got up there on <laughs> on the saddle and then any thought of pushing the heels right down and sitting upright and doing all the things it said in the book and looked so easy totally different so what you get here is your training ground you're writing all your notes and it's all fine then suddenly you're thrust into your proving ground and you're thinking no oh, you can't holding on to the sides of the boat it's because he's putting into practice for you the things that you've learnt and that that is all that is happening really well you've learnt about this life of faith now this is how you walk it but I've got a problem there's no money and too much month you know yes but that is just to teach you the faithfulness of God he's not gonna let you go as Bob Mumford uh, never will I leave you never will I forsake you has become more like a threat than a promise because you can't actually get away and there are times where we would like to escape but we can't because we cannot get away from the goodness and the kindness of God I think if there's anything that in looking at the Song of Songs that's come across to me is the, the vast gap that there is between us uh, as leaders and, and his heart for the sheep. His tenderness, his patience with the sheep. He never gets cross with them. He never gets touched off with them saying, for goodness sake, how many times have I been around this one? He doesn't. Uh, so when we're having difficulty with leadership I think we need to remember that they're on their walk too even if they don't realize they are and and I, I think that what God is doing right now with leadership is showing them what leadership means and leadership is servanthood we're here to serve you we're not here Jesus said don't lord it over the flock the flock is what is important we've got it the westernized view that leadership is what is important you follow my vision no you follow Christ you don't follow anybody's vision you follow what he is putting in your heart for you which may or may not line up with the person next door to you which is why he's doing again he's given us a new song to sing and uh, it's quite scary because you think Lord let this be the song that we actually get in step with understand move with you know Bob Mumford again he says I'm convinced that God will keep on giving us a new song till we get the hang of what he's doing because if you look as I say Israel's history good king then downhill breach another good king downhill breach and we look at exactly the same thing since Jesus came denominations got it for a minute goes cold goes stale gets I mean the Salvation Army is a real it's like a lesson I think it started off with such fire and zeal there was no problem at all about women in ministry there was none of this fast pot stuff that we get their only blockage was they wouldn't take communion because they wouldn't take the wine because they were working with alcoholics uh, 
but you look at them now and and mostly it's that they're hard there's no life because they got stuck in the song they didn't see when the new song came along and we're in transition now from the old song to the new one and when God says he's doing something new he's actually turned his back on the old what we tend to do is to see it reach over bolt it on until we've got an emmet like arrangement that you pour the water in the top and it runs down there and that actually activates something a ball there that runs over there which falls in there makes a clank of you've got this peculiar lopsided heavyweight machine which is called church and he's breaking the paradigm and shaking it out like when I, as I say when I started with with Roland when I heard that I thought you have just thrown a grenade in the middle there I mean as I'm on fire I say ah for the Lord there are rules and regulations because that's what creeps in because we find that we can't actually control these butting sheep who keep poking holes in the fence and wandering off where they didn't ought to go getting in somebody else's orchard you know and getting shushed out coming back with lumps of stuff hanging underneath <laughs> as sheep do <laughs> it reminds me I went to see Stephen's new house and out from the back window there was idyllic scene one sheep one horse and he said I don't think that sheep's meant to be in that field with that horse I think it's got out from somewhere <laughs> munching away there quite happily found some grass all for itself you know I thought this is the way we are aren't we we'll wander off get our head stuck through the wire and then looking around can't get back got stuck you know sheep are difficult to deal with and um, because leadership are human um, they have dis discovered a way of controlling them pen them up shut them up <laughs> tie their legs together police them muzzle them and so one thing after the other comes in you know um I was talking to the Lord the other day about um, about when you pray for people and they fall over, actually. I mean, it, it, it was happening at the last Women of Destiny conference. I didn't expect it. All I thought I was, I forget what it was I'd lined them up to pray for now. If you want if you want acceleration, come here and I'll just ask the Lord for an acceleration. They're going down like nine pins. Well, I wasn't expecting that, so there were very few people to catch. And people were falling about like, what's it's all over the place and I said then Lord you know do we need all this um, do we need all this business of having catchers and can't we trust you well of course Roland's come along and there they've all been going and they managed to miss all the musical instruments that were on the stage I mean you just think to yourself how much of what we do is just man's hands on the work of God it is it is so such a sensitive place to be to keep your hands off of it. Um, I feel for anyone in leadership um, because what happens is control creeps in, and in on top of the control comes a controlling spirit. Then the sheep start to feel pressed down, can't go there, don't feel free, you know, restless, um, kicking each other, button each other. <laughs> Ah oh dear, fellas in the same ship. So we're on a voyage of discovery because he's granted us a green light and permission to do church differently. 
keep going off, but never mind. So we've been looking at uh, some uh, one, 131 and now 132. And last time we were majoring on humility, submitted strength, brokenness before the Lord. Um, and when we pass this threshold of humbling ourselves, then God reorganizes our priorities and thoughts as he draws us into his inner chamber. And as we go on in Psalm 132, we're going to see what God's priorities are and what our preoccupations should be. Um, so we're going we're gonna to get focused as we go on through Psalm 132 into what God's heart is. Because having submitted ourselves to God, released our free will, signed our little slip of paper saying to him, whatever you ask, I'll give you. Uh, we're ready to actually go on to the next step which is finding out what his priority is for our lives, and it will be different for every person. What's your priority for me, Lord, right now? See, in the little core group that comes from Crayford, it sounds like God's got a different priority for the leadership. They're needing to drop back because he wants to do something different. Not because they've failed, but because they're getting exhausted in that position, and they're not able to feed themselves, let alone the flock. And so that is what, if you like, the overseer is for. The overseer of the flock, which is the position that I sort of find myself coming into, is to see where there is an exhausted leader or an exhausted core group person needing to see what God is saying in there. It's not that we failed. It's not, there's none of that because we can't fail. He makes sure we don't. We just get to do it again. And again, and again, and again, and again, and again, <laughs> as Graham would say, until we get to see what he wants and we comply. The hardest fight we have is not with the devil, it's with ourselves. Someone said we've met the enemy and he is us. We're our biggest stumbling block, really. When we can come to the place where we can just actually lay back and rest in God, knowing that he's absolutely able, as Smith Wigglesworth said, God is absolutely taking care of everything. That is a place of peace and rest, and that is what he's trying to get us into. There remains, therefore, a Sabbath rest for the children of God, because he who ceased from his own labors has come into the rest of God. Our labors are trying to do it. Our labors are trying to get it right. We're not resting in the power of the Holy Spirit to do it. I suspect if you saw the amount of, quotes preparation I did for a, a morning like this, you'd be shocked. I got up first, I asked for fresh bread, I got up this morning and just sat and worshipped and one or two ideas came into my mind and I ran with what was coming in my mind. I looked at the notes there, looked at Bob Mumford, thought, oh, there was something on Monday I thought we might want to bring into that. So I've got like this smorgasbord of strands that God may or may not want to pull in. And then I just trust him. I did pray that he'd touch my mouth with a coal from the altar so that he would purify it. And then I launch at it, really. And just let him do it. Because it's actually the anointing is effortless. When you're doing something and it is so effortless, you know you're moving in the anointing. Equally, when you're walking through concrete, you think, I think I lost the anointing for this. And that was how I got with the healing ministry when it started to overlap with the teaching. 
that the healing ministry became like walking uphill through setting concrete and I'm apologising to God. Lord, I'm so sorry. I, I mean, I've turned myself inside out. It's almost as if he said, if you apologise once more, I'll slap you around the ear. Because he was trying to show me that he was changing me from one thing to another. wasn't that that was going to stop, but that wasn't where he wanted me to major because it wasn't going to take the time that it took before. Um, had a picture some years ago of me standing in a riverbed in high heels, up to the knees in mud, ministering to someone, Jesus on the bank saying, come up here. Another picture of me running in a race with my pyjama trousers falling down round my knees so I'm tripping all over the place because I was wearing the wrong clothing for the place that I should have had Wellington boots on standing in there, not high heel shoes. You know, I was actually geared up in the wrong stuff for the what I was doing. Took a long time for me to realise what he was doing then. But it, you know, we're slow, aren't we? The penny does not drop for me until suddenly I'm thinking, "Hey, wait a minute!" And it's, it's like it's all the angels give a sigh of relief. She's got it. She's got it. She's got it. Video this. She's got it. She's got it. Anyway, there we are. Uh, so well, I think we'll stop there and we'll have another look next week, Lord willing, at uh, what else is coming out of this psalm. Thank you very much. God.